Hey, my name is Melissa Lane, and I'm obsessed with all things self-empowerment, self-development, spirituality, and holistic healing to help you navigate this thing called life in a more fulfilled way. Ever felt like you missed the class on how life works? So did I. I'm just a regular girl who grew up not understanding how to create success, where to find fulfillment, or how to live a life that I actually enjoyed. So I went on a journey of self-discovery, and it led me to the realization that everything about living a fulfilling life can be learned. And so the Lifecraft podcast was born. Here, you'll learn how to stop letting life just happen to you and how to begin crafting a life you can actually get excited about. No topic is off limits here, from the scientific to the mystical and everything in between. Difficulties, failures, growth, victories and more are all real life happenings that myself and our guests will discuss. Think of this as your library to life where you can tune in whenever you feel like you have no idea what you're doing. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged to craft a life you're actually excited to wake up to. This is the Lifecraft Podcast. In this episode of 7 Minutes to Success, we feature Dr. Nicole LaPiera, better known as the Holistic Psychologist. In this clip, Dr. Nicole shares one of the reasons we like to stay in our ruts, how to begin getting out of them, and why meditation can feel difficult for some people to do. Be sure to like this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and share it with someone you know it will impact. Enjoy! There's another reason why we like to stay in those ruts or in those patterns, because it's familiar. And according to our subconscious or our evolutionary instinct to keep ourselves alive, that which is unfamiliar or unpredictable is uncertain. It could be threatening. It could be the thing that ends my, my system's life. So according to my subconscious, we prefer to avoid that at all costs to keep ourselves safe. So before you know it, for reasons like you're saying to, you know, can contain calories. We get really good at certain things, at certain thoughts, at certain feelings, and they map onto our familiar physiology. So the way out, first and foremost, we want to become conscious. We want to see those patterns. We want to see ourselves operating as what I call our habit self. We want to learn how to consciously become an observer of ourselves. For a lot of us, that's the first practice because consciousness is a, is a practice. It's actually firing up our prefrontal cortex. It lives right behind our, our eyes, our forehead. Um, and a lot of us aren't used to living from that space. The easiest access point to our conscious mind is the present moment. And I like to call, I like to reference using hooks for our attention. Because a lot of us, we don't, we don't flex our muscle of attention very often at all. We really do have choice. We get to decide what, whom, or where I'm expending my attention in any given moment. Yet for most of us, we're worrying about our past, we're thinking about our future, we're lost in thought, we're somewhere else. So for our entry into our conscious mind, we can use the present moment through one of two hooks. Our breath, we're always breathing. So if we can learn how to flex that muscle of attention and put our full focus onto the act of our breathing body, we become embodied. Now I'm in my body and I'm present to what's in front of me. Another hook we can use 
is our senses, the senses. What are we seeing? What are we tasting? Can we touch something? Anything that we can do that's senses-based can also be our access point to conscious awareness. The more consciously present we are, the more we have choice. We can begin to create new habits and patterns in this moment. Okay, so now let's talk about how people begin to develop that muscle. So you've talked about setting alarms. People can do that just sort of throughout the day, so it'll ping them. And, hey, what are you doing right now, right? So people begin to train themselves to see how much time they're spending outside of that. What techniques do we have beyond that, things that are sort of the mental equivalent of going to the gym? We want to practice it consistently. So starting there, um, this isn't the light switch, I like to, to say. A lot of us, you know, maybe discover consciousness. We know it's there. Maybe we've practiced once. Oh, I can use my attention. I can come here, be present. Yet we don't practice consistently enough. Um, even those of us with a meditation practice where maybe that's the purpose of that one or two or five minutes where I'm sitting, my question always remains, what about the rest of your day? So if you had want- to force rank the tools, so is meditation number one, alarms are number two, like what, what is the, the value stack of um, practicing attention? Consciousness is the foundation. So whether or not you can develop your consciousness muscle by sitting as a sitting meditation, for some of us beginning, if I were to speak from my own experience, Tom, that was so overwhelming. My body didn't feel safe. My thoughts raced. I felt so agitated when I would try to sit silently, that I actually began to build my consciousness muscle in real time, setting those alarms. Because I found that as I went about my day and my alarm went off and say I was on a walk, being consciously present on my walk felt a little less intimidating. So I say that to say consciousness is the practice. We can develop it sitting in quiet, turning inward, or in real time. And those of us that feel a bit overwhelmed by the first practice can do it in anything we're doing. We can use any context, any activity, and use our focus of attention to be conscious. I've heard people say that they get overwhelmed with meditating, but I've never understood, like, what, what is the mechanism? Are they having feelings? Are they having thoughts? Like, what, what is the genesis of the overwhelm? Well, interestingly enough, we can't disconnect those two because thoughts thought long enough lead to a feeling. So in my opinion, and this is part of the limitation, I believe in the old model, when we try to think about CBT, change our thoughts, change our bodies, change our actions, because those are connected, they're in communication at all times. So before long, a thought thought long enough equals a feeling. So for some of us, when we sit, it's that monkey mind, my racing thoughts. If they're worrisome thoughts, before long, I'm in worry now. And so that's what's spinning people out of control. They're sitting there. Suddenly there's no activity to keep them from just like, I have to do this and this and this. And then they're becoming uncomfortable. Some of us, our bodies, based on past experiences, maybe we're unsafe. Maybe we lived in a home where our bodies, you know, had uh, boundaries, were were crossed, our, our limits, or we just didn't feel safe in our bodies. So for some of us, even the action of being present in our body equals is an uncomfortable, unfamiliar place to be. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode. Remember, this is only a segment of the whole presentation. Please follow the link in the description below to listen to it in full. If you loved this episode, please leave a positive review for us and let us know on social media at at the lifecraft what inspired you. We will connect again in the next episode and until then, keep creating a life you are excited to wake up to.